Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast, everyone. We're kicking off a new week, and today is all about program design. We're going to teach you how to avoid training plateaus with progressive overload. This is a really critical part of program design, and if you get it right, you're going to consistently see gains in your training. Welcome to the show, everyone. In case we haven't met before, Rich is behind the mix. Phil's at the table with me, and my name's Rad Burmeister, and we are Unity Gym, experts at turning driven people into athletes. This episode is brought to you by the Unify Movement System, the only online program effectively balancing strength, flexibility, and fitness all into the same short and efficient workout so you can unleash your inner athlete. Get daily coaching by us, plus our Epic Foundations prep program and revolutionary structural balance blueprint to create your ideal program and optimize your performance. As a valued listener, use the link in the description to get your first month free. Also, I'm excited to announce that we have an Epic 72-hour flash sale coming up this weekend. What we're going to be putting on will be announced on Wednesday, so tune in. Now, before we get started, warm welcome if you're on the live stream in the UMS Movement Mastermind Facebook group. Just leave a comment and we'll send you some love. Remember that anyone can join and interact. Lastly, shout out to our YouTube athletes catching the replay. Hit the like button to support the channel and subscribe if you like what you see or hear. Okay, joining us today is Phil White from ADPT Physio. How are you, Phil? Very well. I always like being back on the podcast after a week off. And oh, I miss it. So, yeah, yeah, and we miss back. you. So oh. it's good. I certainly miss you because I now have somebody to talk to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How was your um, week down uh, yeah, south, mate? Good, man. So I, uh, for those who don't know, I, my partner's a GP trainee, and so she has to work um, yeah, remotely out of Sydney. So I go down there, and it's a really great opportunity for me to work on some online projects. So I had some exciting stuff happening with one of my other businesses. For any physios who listen to the uh, podcast, I have a a business with my mentor who's a very well-known physio and we had some exciting things happening last week with q and a's and podcasts and whatever so check it out the physio yeah. accelerator is yeah. what it's called sweet and, uh, awesome yeah, nice one back to this and ready to go yeah that's it that's it and this is a good this is an exciting week for us because this is the week in uh, in all of our other weeks when we do these podcasts we we talk about um, you know, topics that are all about uh, helping people to understand how to get the most out of our training. But this is the week where we bring it all together and we talk about program design and how we do it in the UMS. And what we want to talk about today, uh, progressive overload. If you don't understand what it is, I, I really like a description that I heard from this dude that did a, a TED talk on um, uh, posture and back pain. And uh, he was an, uh, an exercise physiologist, I think. Um, and, you know, anybody that does TED Talks, uh, they're, they're pretty pretty notable people or they've done a hell of a lot of work to get there anyway. Um, but the way he described progressive overload was if you picked up a couple of 10-pound dumbbells and you did some bicep curls and at your best effort you could do eight reps. And if you did that a couple of times a week and then after several weeks you could now do 12 reps and then you went up to 12-and-a-half-pound dumbbells, went back to eight reps and then repeated the process again. That process is, in a nutshell, progressive overload for resistance training. You can do the same for most types of training though, right, Phil? It's not just uh, resistance training. You can use progressive overload for... Yeah, definitely. So it basically, like that's an example of a progressive overload technique, but mm -hmm. there are so many different ways yeah. to do it. And so, um, yeah, but that's a, a nice, simple sort of explanation yeah. of just the idea that, you know, your body will adapt to something and you need the reason that's... So that's overloading. You can do a training session, which is challenging your system, but... You can't just do this that one um, overload once and expect you to keep continuing. You need to 
um, keep changing and adapting. And, and, and that's that's probably one of the things that we should address first, right? I, we, I didn't even think about that before when we were, you know, having a dis- – we always have a discussion before we do these shows about what we're talking about. But I think that's probably one of the biggest – the earliest pitfalls that a lot of people go in, especially if you go to the big chain gyms like Fitness First where I started out as a personal trainer. And the majority of the members that they don't have a trainer, they don't have a coach, they're going it on their own. And I was there for, Yanni was there for 10 years and I was there for about 10 years, um, minus my four years serving as an infantry soldier. Six. Yeah, 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 but it was, you know, it was over a 10 year period. Thanks, Phil, I was trying to, but um, the, the, you you, you see these people, they're very, very motivated. They're coming in every day, but they are really, falling into this trap of feeling like the results that they initially got when they started their routine, um, they are not going to continue to get that. And, and, and as a trainer, you often get people that would come to you and they say, look, I've been training for about two years. And in the first um, six months, I got really, really good. I, you know, I lost weight, I built muscle, I got stronger and I've just plateaued. And I haven't been able to go any further. Um, and it's because they don't understand progressive overload. And it is a beast of a thing to understand because like Phil said, what I just described before is is a really, really basic understanding or explanation of progressive overload. And it is only one example of it. There's so many different but, variables. Yeah, it is one of those things that can also be totally overcomplicated and can, you know, people can go get so complicated with it, particularly in the early phases of training. Ooh, and yeah. that can be something which then you're trying to progressive overload, but you make it so hard, like complicated and mm. all over the place that you, you'd you get much better results that simply keep it. So mm. um, it's definitely one of those things where it's, you know, having that basic understanding is is the key step, and that will get you a lot of the way there. Mm-hmm. And it's only really once you have quite a, a an old training age, and and you need specific adaptations, and mm-hmm. that are you know, and hard to get through certain sort of biological um, benchmarks that are mm-hmm. just um, hard to break through. That you really need to get funky, I guess. Yeah. Which is an, which is another really great point, Phil, um, to talk about that when you start out, progressive overload is 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 quite a simple thing. It's not uh, complicated. You don't need to be doing these crazy programs that are changing all the time. Um, in fact, as a as a beginner, often people that are new to their training, they don't actually need to change up what they're doing uh, nearly as much as somebody that's uh, more advanced. And um, that is again, that's another pitfall that people on the other side yeah. of the spectrum fall into, but where they it's think one of the cases that like basically anything you do early on in your training will get an outsized result. Like you'll basically improve whatever you do. So there's lots of different programs that have all these really kind of quirky, catchy, like interesting new takes on how to, um, you know, progressively overload. Uh, But it's one of those things that you could, at an early training age, so when you're first getting into strength training, like particularly, uh, you could basically do anything as long as you're decently consistent you'll you'll get a response because Mm -hmm. and that is because um so much of your early um strength increases is a neurological change where you're basically just learning how to um utilize a lot of the muscle that you already have and that generally takes um yeah about sort of six weeks so often in that first six weeks especially you'll be um getting so much improvement just from basically activating these muscles that you, the muscle that you already have um, and then the other big thing is if you ha- are paying attention to technique like small changes in technique will have a large effect on uh, basically the weight your efficiency and the weight you can move so in that early stages as you, as you are learning things you'll basically get a great response pretty much whatever you do as long as you turn up and do it yeah that's right yeah and look it's uh it's important to really understand you know 
what why why do you need to know all this stuff what do you what dangers are you facing if you don't understand progressive overload uh and why can't you just turn up to the gym and do something and phil pre-framed that there by saying when you're new you can just turn up to the gym and do something and, and something's going to happen for you if you go from doing nothing or next to nothing to doing a exercise regime i won't even say a program but an exercise regime where you go to the gym and lift weights or you start running or you do whatever it is you're going to see results but as you get better those results um will really start to decline you you will plateau now what happens if you go okay well i'm going to mix up what i do and i just you know i'm just going to do different something different every day i'm just going to turn up and do something different or i'm going to randomize my workouts again that can yield some results but it does have a risk of injury um the what we want to do is when you do a good program you, you come up with certain variables in the program that you want somebody just, just briefly not only injury but plateau yeah yeah, yeah that's right carry on. yeah absolutely yeah i definitely tried those random workouts for a while and i got a i got a great result at the start but then i got to a point and and actually the plateau with that came really quick it was really, really, it's like your body adapts to the randomization concept, but then really, really quickly you just don't. And part of the reason is that, you, so you, you adapt to what it is that you're doing, which means there's this, there's this adaptation curve where if you have, um, if the x-axis is, is going vertically and the y-axis is going uh, left to right and strength represents from left to right, so getting stronger is is the axis moving to the right and time going up is, uh, no, sorry, getting stronger is going up uh, and getting uh, time going by is going to the right. When you actually start a new program, the research shows that you actually, your strength drops a little bit. And then through the adaptation process, it comes up to where it was and then surpasses your baseline before it starts to plateau. And and the re a lot of the good research that I've read, at least, I always hate when people say, and the research says, but Honestly, I, I, like all the books that I've read, they refer to all the different researches that have been done over decades um, to bring it together. And there's, there's so many um, citations in the back of it. Um, it's enough for me that I'm reading something that's widely accepted, uh, you know, within the strength and conditioning community. But so I'll, I'll say it again. So the research says, <laughs> but yeah, that you do have to change what you're doing. There's like this sweet spot that's generally from about a four to eight week mark where you need to change. And the reason why it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a gap there is that again, for beginners, they, they respond well to a longer period of time doing the same thing. Whereas the more advanced somebody, the, the more frequently you have to change things, right? Yeah, basically. Um, and I think the, the thing is with changing the problem that comes with this sort of randomization and this changing things too often and not having kind of continuity in your program is basically if you um, you start to progressively overload one um, you know particular movement and then if you spend the next month uh, really focusing on another movement then basically that movement that you first so for example if you did like a very bench press heavy just for an example uh, initial program for six weeks and then um, during that time, your, your bench is going right up and then, but your everything else is sort of, you're not putting the, as much attention into. So you're just sort of cruising along at a, um, you know, getting some mild improvements in, uh, say your squat and your deadlift and your vertical push and pull. Um, and then you go into your next program and you're like, well, I did so much bench that time that I'm not going to do it this time. I'm only going to do, um, overhead press and, and then I'm going to focus on, uh, my squat, for example. And then you spend the next six weeks doing so much time doing squats and, uh, your bench press will basically 
come back to yep. uh, um, it will decrease because you haven't been doing much of it. And then the next six weeks, you're like, well, I'm feeling pretty unfit, so I'm going to get like spend this next block really working my fitness. And then your fitness really goes up, but then your strength for everything goes back down. Mm. Like that's a, an example of where you can be really doing these challenging workouts, which um, are keeping you entertained and are interesting. <laughs> but when you look at at the end of that three month block, you're going to be like moderately fit. You're going to have a moderate bench press and you're going to have a moderate squat that like none of them would have really moved up because you've just not actually progressively overloaded over a longer period of time. And we do have a um, one of the people watching who said hi, which is Stephen Pellegrino. And I think he's a great example of this. Um, he posted on the UMS online coaching group, which is the um, you know the, the online coaching that we do, um, where he's part of the UMS program. And he talked about how he's just um, basically for the first time got, what was the movement? It was a front, no. He did cross it for a long time and he's just recently got steven if you're listening help me out um yeah what was i'm i'm trying to remember this poster because i know was, what you're talking yeah, about phil but i can't was, remember the, what was he talking about no, uh, he was talking sit. about a workout it was a workout right no he said he said uh, just got a 30 second l sit for the first time oh, in yep, spite of yep. starting crossfit th- um 20 years ago um so it, it's he's basically saying like you know these are l sits are something that you would do in a cross in crossfit and you trained really hard in crossfit for a long time but because you're you're constantly changing your stimulus and you and one you know one might be really fitness focused and then um, mm-hmm. you might have a regionals which is really fitness focused and the next one's really strength focused like if your goal is an l sit and you're spending your whole time kind of spending all this energy not going towards your goal then you're not actually progressively overloading you're working really hard you're working your butt off um but because you're getting so much variability in your stimulus you're not actually progressively progressively overloading the particular movement or the particular skill or strength that you want so that's why i think it's so key which with we talk about a lot in this um, podcast series about getting your mindset right, getting your goals right, and think like, what is it that I actually want to achieve long term? And then part of your programming, which I think the UMS does so well, it keeps enough enough consistency in the um, all the elements of strength, flexibility, and fitness. But it's all about then just um, targeting down to being like, okay, at the end of this year, I want to be able to, you know, hit those strength ben- benchmarks. For example, the that we've talked about with the um, double body weight um, mm-hmm. squat, two and a half times deadlift, and you know, uh, one and a half times bench press, that might be your strength benchmark that you want to hit by the end of a year. But then you've got to realize like, okay, that's going to mean that I'm going to have to really focus on progressively overloading my mm. my strength and I can't just get distracted by calisthenics halfway through, um, go down a rabbit hole of, um, you know, planche yep. leans and yep. then expect to then hit those benchmarks. Like you've got to be really focused on progressively overloading the particular skill you want and that yeah. could go for gymnastics or strength or flexibility yeah. or fitness. I'm, I'm really happy that you brought that up because that is, um, you know, the, the whole reason why the UMS is such an effective program is because Yanni, Richard and I all have different passions with our training. Like Richard's far more passionate about uh, weightlifting and strength training than I am and I'm far more passionate about calisthenics than he is. But, but through... Through the creation of the UMS, there was a period of time when I was making that mistake that you were just talking about there, Phil, where I was always just focusing on the skill and and the way that I was writing my programs, it was, okay, this month I'm going to focus more on this and, oh, I haven't done that for a while, I'm going to focus on that. And when you look at that over a 12 or 20-month period, 24-month period, I just did not achieve the level of strength, skill and competency in calisthenics that I thought I should have for the amount of time that I invested. And at the same time, 
people that did far less calisthenics than me, like Richard, for example, who was like on the other end of the spectrum. He was really methodical with his training and he didn't make radical changes to his programming from block to block. He was, um, you know, manipulating the intensity by rep ranges and slight variations of the fundamental movements like squat, deadlift, bench, shoulder press, pull up, things like that. Um, and Yanni, the same. Um, and those two guys both have been able to outperform me in calisthenics for the same amount of time invested in training, but their training was put more into traditional, you know, strength training than mine was. And so one of the reasons why the UMS is so effective is because we've really had a lot of skin in the game in this. We've learned from a lot of really great people. We've tried what we've learned and we've figured out ways to put it together in something that, that really delivers results. And at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter what you want to be good at. Most things, most physical things, your performance will increase if you increase strength, flexibility, and fitness. There's there's very little as far as sport goes or physical activity that you... I mean, we've got rock climbers here that say they're climbing better than they ever have. Like they came here to improve rock climbing and now they're doing routes that they've never been able to do before and all of their you know, friends at their rock climbing gym are amazed at what they do. We've got dragon boat um, competitors that do the same thing. We've had um, well, kite think, surfers, you know. And Stephen's another, this this guy who's watching now, who just had the, um, you know, the gains in the LSIT. Uh, he's also staying another win for the UMS. Is after not running 5K or anything uh, over about half a mile since August in 26 minutes, he ran one today in 24 minutes and 45 seconds. Wow. So it's another really good example of it. Like he's not aiming for training, that, running, but yep. because you're getting consistency in, in fitness, strength, and, and mobility, then like the, everything else, else is going to be sort of bumped up. But you know that's not where he's put his particular f- focus. Yep. And if he um, did a UMS version where the focus was more on getting you know prepared for running, where there was a bit more focus on the fitness elements, uh, maybe some more single leg strength and, and, and mm-hmm. more runs in, yep. into the program, then obviously that would be something that would... Mm really progress but yeah. this is just a, a gen like so the fitness level is just generally overload like gradually overloading but he's um talked about it's the um uh isometric um what's it called strength formula the, the isometric, isometric strength, strength formula strength that formula. he really focused on for the l-sits and and it was a really quick and easy um yeah goal that he's achieved. yeah when you follow a good formula like that Stephen, um it things just really start to roll out for you and we should um, because we've only got Phil for another six or seven minutes. We should now talk about, you know, we've, we've framed what progressive overload is and, and, and how it all works and why you should do it. And we'll talk about a little bit about how we do it in the UMS. And the way we do it is we get people to start, we get everybody to start with um, a templated program that, that basically allows people the opportunity to uncover any imbalances in their body that they may or may not have been aware of in quite a safe environment with exercises that are, um, repeatable that we can get people to post videos of and we can critique their form quite easy like we're not um, by not giving everybody something totally different at the start of the journey it's easier for us as coaches to be able to really guide people along it that's one thing and the other thing is that the progressive overload for those first three phases is is very simple it's not like you know going from an, an incline bench to a low incline to a flat bench for example going from front foot elevated split squat to a flat split squat to a rear foot elevated split squat like these are small variations in the exercise that not not even necessarily are more difficult than the last one it's just a a variation of it that 
prevents you from plateauing, but also allows you more time in nailing the technique in the, in the basic uh, movement patterns. And it works really, really well. We've done it for a long time. And then once people move out of that initial foundations phase and move into the progressions phase, what we do is we get people to uh, test their strength and, and test for imbalances through different lifts in the body. And then we teach people how to customize the program, but sticking to our uh, really good program template, which we'll talk about in a sec. And the idea is that when people customize their program, they, they write a program that goes for a 12-week block, so two times six-week uh, programming mesocycles, we call them. One is an intensification phase where it's all about lifting heavier weights with lower volume with the idea to increase raw strength. And then the second phase is an accumulation phase where the idea is that we accumulate volume with the idea to hypertrophy muscles. And by doing that with very, very slight variations to the exercises from one of those mesocycles to the other and then testing again, um, that's a good example of how you, you can use progressive overload combined with periodization and good programming um, to see some really nice improvements in, uh, in the way you move and feel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's something that uh, <laughs> Stephen's saying, I hate running. I hate running too. I don't know how Phil and Richard do it all the time. Yeah, I, I absolutely love running and, and I hate <laughs> running when I haven't done it for a long time and then I try and run really hard. And I think, Stephen, the fact that you've done a 5K in August and then you've just tried to beat your 5K time since not running from August, I'm not surprised that you hated that experience. <laughs> but I assure you, if you took a progressive overload approach to running, you, you, you get to that that point that you do really start to love it so yeah. um but yeah the way of progressive overloading is not trying to run faster every single time it's it's building in elements of rest elements where you're doing higher intensity with speed work and intervals and then doing some slower steady state like you've got to realize that with all elements of strength flexibility and fitness um it's not as simple as just doing a harder version every single time you turn up it's absolutely like progressive overload does also include periods of consolidation, right? Yeah. Like you can progressively overload every week uh, and even every month, but um, Richie, uh, the um, Richie, there's just somebody out there. Um, the uh, there's periods of time that I learned this the hard way because, you know, when you read a lot of the the um, literature, a lot of it uh, talks about how you know every single week you should be adding two to three percent to what you can lift and everything, and 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 that is true for most of the part but in my personal experience i've had times where i just can't increase weights or increase volume and sometimes you just need to consolidate everything that you've learned and then deloading comes in as well but if you get it all right you will over over the months like i over say like i think a 12-week period is a really good time frame to be aiming for objective improvements I think if you focus on like even every month, sometimes you can be a little bit disheartened. Sometimes you can't see the kind of improvements that you would like to over a month. But if you do it, if you do it right, usually over 12 weeks, you should be able to see uh, a nice change, yeah. I think. And I think the last thing to talk about with progressive overload is basically like motivation and consistency with training where it does really help to um, see um, gains. And that's why I think the testing weeks every six weeks is such a nice way of, of being able to um, test things. But sometimes people get into that trap of thinking that like if I'm not consistently overloading it then there's kind of no point and so that idea of consolidation is really key and sometimes you do just need to go into sort of a maintenance phase for something while you find joy elsewhere because it can be <laughs> one of those things where you might have like a favorite movement or a favorite workout or something that you just feel like you really enjoy because you keep on getting better and better and better at it but when that 
um, you know, dries off and you, you end up just plateauing for a while, like that can be quite disheartening. And so the, some people just go for the like, oh, I'm not getting any better anymore. I can't be bothered and stop. And I think it's so key to understand that like, it's okay to not constantly feel motivated by the same thing and you're not going to always have this linear progression and sometimes you do just need to consolidate which means keeping your that intensity up but maybe dropping the volume and putting a bit of um focus into another element of training just to keep that that fire burning that mm-hmm. that motivates you to have your whole um training habit because i know with me like my motivations do often change where i go through phases where i just want to surf every day and then i go yeah. through phases where i just want to play beach volleyball and then i just want to um cycle and then i want to get really into weights and i know that what's been really important for me is in the past I've just let things totally drop off if I get into one particular thing and what I think is so key is just to try and and how I've changed my um, full training approach is even if I do get really obsessed with one thing I'm going to keep a base level of um, you know strength flexibility and fitness by keeping the the basic of the UMS going and just hitting maintenance levels because I know that my passions are somewhat elsewhere yep yeah and um it is a, I think for me, that's a really important reason to deload as well. I find sometimes some of our members come in that are really, really consistent, but they're just so dedicated to achieving some kind of a goal. And in all honesty, it's usually around weight loss. It's usually people that want to lose weight. They really don't want to deload and they just want to push hard every every day and every week. And I, I say to people that even if you don't feel like you need a deload, um, in your body, it's important to deload your mind sometimes and to just take a week where you're not like obsessively looking for those improvements and you're just coming in and consolidating and allowing your body to have a, you know, a week where you just cruise and, you know, you don't, yeah. you don't push too hard. Anyway, I hope you guys got something out of that. We're going to be talking about exercise programming and how we do it so well in the UMS all week this week. We've got different topics each day. So make sure you tune in. Thanks, Phil, for coming on the show. Yeah, and if you are watching live, do make sure you um, say hi, which is really nice to see yeah. um, Stephen say hi and Joker. Yeah. And, and it's great to get some questions and comments and um, personal experiences that you've had with, you know, getting this right or getting this wrong because it, it um, you know, is really interesting for us. And I think it, a lot of people can relate, even if you've made some terrible mistakes, that's how we got to where we are is by making really bad programming mistakes. Terrible so, mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So we'd love to, um, yeah, hear what you guys have to say. Yep. Awesome. Thanks guys. Have a good day. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. The gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.